0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: We're going to be in Genesis 15 tonight, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Genesis chapter 15. We're looking at a message called Righteousness by Faith, Righteousness by Faith. Genesis 15, the very first book of the Bible. Let's pray one more time. Father, as we open your holy word now, we want to open our hearts to let that word come in deeply to our souls. Your word, the Bible says, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We're to long for the pure milk of the word that by it we may grow into respect in respect to salvation father we want to be people who not only are believers but people who are walking with you walking in response to your grace and abram and abraham as he's later known is a great picture of the believer striding through a journey of faith and uh, though we are saved by grace through faith there's still a walk to live out and I pray that whatever application you want us to make tonight, Lord, you give us ears to hear what you would say to us, Lord. Help us to set aside all the distractions that we may have brought into this place tonight. Let us lay down our burdens at your feet. Let us lay our concerns at your feet. Let us give our full selves, our, uh, everything that we are, our passion, our calling, where you may be directing us tonight. May we be fully committed to that, Lord. And we just pray that you would speak. I'd get out of your way, add and take away from what I've prepared so that you would speak, Lord, through your word. And we just pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So Abram, later known as Abraham, he is a picture of the believer Uh, And I say the believer because Abram was known as the believer and we're to follow in the footsteps of his faith. And the first thing that we need to understand about Abram is that he was saved like everybody else is saved. He was saved by grace through faith. This particular chapter is a landmark chapter in the Bible because Genesis 15, specifically verse 6, is quoted three times in the New Testament it's quoted in the book of Romans chapter four, and we'll go there in a moment. Galatians chapter three and James chapter two. Those are the three places where Genesis 15, six uh, is quoted. The context, context is extremely important. And what we need to learn about righteousness by faith is very important for our own walk with the Lord and our understanding in regard to how one is saved and then what we do in response to that salvation. Abram's just come off a great victory, as you know. He had to go rescue Lot, and Lot got himself in trouble, and these eastern kings grabbed him and took him off, took, out, took off uh, with all these possessions and the like. And Abram got a fighting force together, men trained in his own household, 318 and he pursued uh, his nephew Lot and pursued him to the northern part of Israel and was able to, in a stealth mission by night, rescue his nephew, uh, win a victory, a great victory, probably outmanned and outgunned. And he rescued Lot, got back all the possessions, made his way back down into the central, southern part of the Promised Land. And then he was confronted by the king of Sodom. If you remember, you were with us last week. And the king of Sodom said, hey, you know what, um, just give me back the people and you can keep the possessions. And Abram had a moment of temptation. And he had, a, he had made a commitment to God that he would not take anything from this victory that was given. He said, you know, he had made a covenant that he would not become wealthy by what Sodom represented and Sodom is a type of, you know, the world and, and the king of Sodom is a type of Satan and he didn't want to compromise. And right in that moment came the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Do you remember that? And he's this mysterious figure that appears again in in Psalm, I think it's 110, and then Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7. And there's been all kinds of conjecture about him, but what we do know is that he's a type of Jesus Christ. And And in the moment of temptation with the king of Sodom, the king of Salem, the king of peace, righteousness and peace shows up. And he's got two things. Remember what they were? He's got bread and wine. And it becomes a foreshadowing of the new covenant, the emblems that we share at the Lord's table of bread and wine. And Melchizedek offers them to Abram. And Abram is humbled and he receives a blessing from Melchizedek and then Abram gives back a tenth of all the spoils to this great king priest. And this is the scene that's unfolded. Victory. And yet Abram's got some fear in his heart because he's got to be thinking about fear of reprisal, fear of retribution. I mean, he, went, he won the victory, but these forces were pretty significant. He might have been thinking about all the what ifs. And I know sometimes we experience victories in our life and things go well and we walk with the Lord and we win somebody to Christ. But it doesn't mean that you don't go home and still have your own concerns. And Abram had them. And one of the main concerns that was still on Abram's heart was that he was childless. God had given a promise in Genesis 12 that He was going to bless him beyond what he could imagine, but Abram still did not have a child, so he was living in the shadow of barrenness. And in that culture, when you didn't have a child or a male heir, it was devastating. In fact, Solomon kind of uh, gives us this thought of the culture when he talks about children in Psalm 127 being a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And Abram had no heir. And so, yeah, he'd won the victory, yeah, there was something to celebrate, yeah, the intervention of Melchizedek was beautiful and even foreshadowed uh, prophecy, but still there was something missing, and you may be in that boat tonight, you know, maybe you've experienced some cool things in terms of your walk with the Lord And you're making progress, and you're taking steps, footsteps of faith, and yet there's something that continues to gnaw at you, something that's missing. And for some of you, it may be a life partner, it may be clarification of ministry. And uh, Abram becomes a type of the believer in this sense as well, and this may speak to some of your situations tonight, he had to wait on God. He had to wait for the promises, not every promise that God made to Abram just came like that. He had to stand upon the promises and walk by faith and not by sight. And so I think we can take some encouragement as believers and even some refuge in the life of Abram that it, it doesn't always happen overnight. God's going to ask you to trust him. He's going to ask you to be patient with some things. He's going to teach you patience along the journey of faith. And that's the one thing that's so hard to learn, isn't it? The idea of patience. Oh, man, you don't want to pray for it. Because you know what happens when you pray for patience, right? So sometimes you don't even know what to do with that category. And with that introduction, it says in the Bible in Genesis 15, one, after these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. After what things? All that I just talked to you about in summary from the end of chapter 14. The word of the Lord came. By the way, this is the first time that we're gonna see this idea of the word of the Lord coming in in this specific way. And the word um, for word is Debar, and it came to Abram in a vision. Now, God has been speaking, but this is kind of this first example of the word of the Lord that phrase coming to an individual in this way and notice it came in a vision not in a dream but in a vision and the Lord said these words to Abram so the Lord knows what's going on in his heart he said do not fear Genesis 15 1, Abram I am a shield to you your reward shall be very great And whenever God says, do not fear, the one thing that we can assume from a Bible text is that the person was fearful. And I mentioned to you that Abram had come off this great victory, and we see Abram as this great man of faith, an example of faith, and yet he was still a man that had fear. And fear is a normal human emotion that we all deal with. And when the Bible says, don't fear, it backs up that idea by saying the reason that you don't have to fear, look at verse one, is because God is your shield. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? God is your shield. That's why you don't have to be afraid. The Bible's not just saying to you, hey, uh, just don't worry. Come on, sing it with me. Be happy. Right? Right? Just, if you sing that enough, maybe you won't be fearful, right? If, if, you, if you read enough self-help books, maybe you won't be fearful anymore. Maybe you can turn your fear into uh, strength. But the Bible says no. The reason you don't have to fear, you don't have to be in denial about real human emotion. But then you need to take that fear to the reality of who you are. You stand behind a shield, And that shield is almighty God. In fact, in the believer's arsenal in Ephesians 6.16, the Bible tells us we're to take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish how many? All of the fiery arrows of the wicked one. We have a shield. God is our shield. And I am happy to hide behind him in the face of the enemy. I've taken enough direct shots to know that I would rather be behind his shield. God says, I am. By the way, um, that particular, just two words, I am, is familiar to all students of the Bible because the great I am is God. Exodus 3.14, this is the name that he gives to Moses when Moses asked, what's your name? What should I share with the children of Israel? God says, I am. We're all familiar with the I am statements of Jesus in the New Testament. I am the bread of life, John 6, 48. I am the light of the world, John eight twelve. I am the door, John 10, verse 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, I think it's verse 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. I am the true vine, John 15. I am. I am everything that you need and more. And here God says, I am, Abram, your shield. And Abram was thinking about probably a future war. But God had given him the victory. And that's what Melchizedek said to Abram. God has given you this victory. And so God is saying, and essence, if I gave you that victory, why are you worrying about the next reprisal? Sometimes we win a victory in Christ, and then we say, Lord, but I don't know what's going to happen next time. And we're in good company. Even the prophets of Israel, having won a major victory, Elijah, you know, he won the, the victory against the prophets of Baal, but then he was running from Jezebel, right? And, and so, you know, at one moment, we can feel like we're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that God is our shield. He is the great I am. In fact, Jesus said in John eight fifty eight before Abraham was born... I am. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. In Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12, if you want to write it down, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, to Jeremiah, and said, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12. God will keep his promises. He watches over his word, and his servants to perform his promises that he's made to them. And you belong to God, and he watches over you. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. By the way, that song was written by a couple that had been through terrible physical maladies pretty much their whole life, and they wrote the song my, uh, his eye is on the Spirit. I know he watches me. Christ is our protection from all harm and our provision for all needs. That's why in Romans 13 14, Paul says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. So we are told to put on God. We are Christians, but still we have to walk by faith every single day. You have to make it official. Psalm 5, verse 12 says, It is you who blesses me, the righteous, blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with the shield. You might want to write these down. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And then, In Psalm 3, verse 3, many of us um, have this verse in our heart. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. You're the lifter of my head. So God is a shield about Abram. And this is the promise that Abram is given. And of course, it's a promise that we need to also rest in because that same promise is given to us. It's not just for Abram, it's for every believer. God is your shield and your reward, Abram is told, shall be very great. Abram's wondering about the future. God's been making promises to him. And God says, your reward is very, very great. I'm going to bless you far beyond what you could imagine. These blessing sections just peek back for a second. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Genesis 12, 2, make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you look at uh, Genesis 12 and look at verse, uh, oh, let's skip on to chapter 13, Verse 14. 13, 14 says, and the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward for all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants uh, can also be numbered. And so Abram walked about the earth walked about the land, its length, its breadth, and God reminded him, I'm gonna give it to you. But Abram had a question, and it's found in Genesis 15, verse two. Abram said, oh, Lord God. Now, how many of us have had a promise given to us, and maybe it's been affirmed or reconfirmed multiple times, but we still have the Yabba syndrome. How many of you want to admit that you're, you're in that camp? Oh, Lord, I know you've given me these promises, but what will you give me since I am childless? You've been making all these grandiose promises to me, but Lord, let me just remind you of the status of my wife and I, just in case you missed it. I am childless. I do not have an heir. How am I gonna have descendants that outnumber the sand of the seashore? And in this chapter, we'll see as You know, if you could number the stars in the sky, if I don't even have a child, and by the way, my biological clock is ticking, Lord, do you hear it? Tick, tick, tick. And we get worried about this kind of stuff. How are you going to handle this, Lord? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, who was probably a steward born in Abram's household, he said, okay, Lord, um, I've got a steward here, but is that how this is going to work? And Abram said, since thou has given me no offspring, uh, one born in my house is my heir. That's the way it works. And so I guess that's what I'm going to have to settle for. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body He shall be your heir. The word of the Lord came, and it came bringing further revelation. Abram, no. This is not gonna be done any other way than in the natural way. You are going to have an heir come from your body, and he took him outside. Have you ever done this? Maybe with, uh, you know, if you ever get to go to a place where maybe you can see stars in Southern California. (laughs) Maybe you go up to a cabin, or some people like to go to the desert, even sometimes if you're on the the beach, and you look up at the stars. And that's what God did. He took him outside, and he said, now look toward the heavens. Count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. In Isaiah 40, verse 26, the Bible says as Israel questions God's faithfulness later in the life of the nation, God says, look, I, not, not only did I make the stars, I call them all by name and I have not forgotten you, O Israel. Why do you assert, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Israel, the Lord, he's not paying attention to what's going on. I'm paraphrasing in my life. No, Abram, a vast peoples coming from your body in fact, not only is a vast people coming from your body, not only are you going to inherit a spacious land, but this is really important to you guys. From your loins, Abram, is coming the Messiah. The promise I made back in Genesis 3, when your parents fell in the garden from you, Abram, will come the Redeemer, the Savior. And in Genesis 22, which we'll get to later, Abram has an idea that he's acting out prophecy with the son of promise, with Isaac. God is doing a marvelous work in Abram's life. And Abram may even at this point have an idea that God is gonna bring the Savior from his own loins or his own family heritage. And then this critical verse. Then he, verse six, Abram Believed in the Lord, and he, that's God, reckoned or credited or counted it, that is his belief, back to him as righteousness. See the word believed in Hebrew, it is the word aman, A-M-A-N, that's how we would translate it, transliterate it, aman. What's that sound like to you? Amen. Amen. Abraham, God made a promise and Abraham said amen. And when you say amen, by the way, what you are saying is, it is so. So when you amen a preacher, you better make sure the preacher's preaching truth. Did you hear that? Right on cue. Amen. Sometimes I've, Seen certain contexts where amen should not be being made. I remember after a slow pitch softball game, we were praying, and uh, you know we were in a, some strong competition that day, and uh, somebody decided they would pray over their favorite baseball team. I think they were a Yankee fan, and so you know they said, "Oh Lord, I don't even know if you should pray about stuff like this, but oh Lord, let the Yankees do well." and you know, And somebody in the group who was not a Yankees fan said, I cannot say the amen. <laughs> and released the hands of all Yankee fans. <laughs> but W.H. Griffith observes the original Hebrew for believed comes from a root whence we derive our amen. And we might paraphrase it by saying that Abram said amen to the Lord. This is a statement of faith. God said it, and Abram said, even though I don't completely get it, and even though I haven't fully realized it, amen. And you know what? You and I are in the same boat tonight. I haven't seen him yet, not face to face, but I love him. He's told me he's preparing a place for me. I'm not at that city yet. And I'm not trying to rush it either. <laughs> and right now, I'm here in my faith journey. Here with you. We're walking by faith, not by sight. And we're standing on the promises. And if you are a believer, you have said to God, Amen. I believe. Do you know that your whole life will be determined on whether or not you can say amen to what God says? Your whole life. And not only your life now, but your destiny will be determined on who you say amen to. Which voice do you want to listen to? Whose, you know, Flute or Pied Piper or drum do you want to march to? Who are you going to believe? You're going to, you're going to embrace some worldview that says something about life's philosophy. Where are you?
0: Greetings, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio, sitting here with Pastor Michael Lance, and you just heard a study on Genesis chapter 15. Pastor Michael, we experienced something exquisite here in chapter 15 of Genesis that God, multiple times throughout his encounter with Abram, expressed, I am your reward. I will promise you this land and your descendants. And this man is in his 70s. He has no children yet. And Abram finally asks the question, well, how will you do this? And God responds to him in verse 9. I am going to make a covenant with you. How many times have people wanted to make a promise with God? Lord, I promise I will do this if you fulfill this. But on the other side here, we have something unique and beautiful, and God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Mm -hmm. How can we apply this?
1: Well, Oscar, I think it is a beautiful scene here, and it's one that carries all throughout the Bible. And it's it's this unconditional covenant that God cuts with Abraham. You know, He called Abram, and uh, Abram was childless, but He had this incredible promise that all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed through him. And God was stretching His faith, and really, He He wanted us to see, I think, in Abram to know that when this child, this child of promise would come, it would be wholly dependent upon God's power and God's really miracle-working power. Isaac um, is a miracle child, right? He's born to aged parents, well well past child-rearing age. And I think, Oscar, one of the lessons is that God will, what God started in us, he will complete. Mm. And I think that's a promise that we have in the New Testament. He who began a good work in you, he called you, he will finish it. And God is even gracious enough with Abram to go through kind of an ancient ceremony to cut, literally, excuse me, cut a covenant and pass through the animal pieces while Abram is asleep and say, this covenant is wholly dependent on me. And really, Oscar, that's what we're banking on too, right? Mm -hmm. We know that the new covenant is wholly dependent on Christ, but we are asked to believe, and that's what Abram did. Abram believed in the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness.
0: Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again,